This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. But it was a really good curtain raiser about how the Russia invasion, certainly it challenged compliance and thinking around sanctions and whatnot, but then Leo and Luke really opened the, the lens to talk much more about how the skills that you might have in due diligence and anti-corruption compliance should be leveraged by the whole company for the bigger supply chain risk issues that are afoot here, thanks to Russia causing so much turmoil in the global economy. This is Tom Fox. Welcome to another edition of Compliance Into the Weeds. In this episode, Matt and I begin to explore some of the issues raised for compliance by the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Today, it's supply chain resilience and cybersecurity. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, the voice of compliance, back again with Matt Kelly, the coolest guy in compliance for another episode of Compliance Into the Weeds. First of all, Matt, welcome back. Hello, Tom. Good to be here, as always. So, Matt, you wrote a blog post, uh, I think, a week or so ago about some of the changes wrought by the Russia invasion of Ukraine, I would say, uh, around compliance, but in really a greater business risk um, scenario. And I wanted to see maybe we could uh, visit with you and tease those out a little bit today. Sure. Uh, so I can set the scene for everybody here today. This was a podcast that was, or a podcast, this was a webcast that was part of the Ethics and Compliance Initiatives 2022 conference. It was a virtual conference this year. Uh, but they had this webinar session about sanctions, compliance, cybersecurity risks, and how they have all been challenged by Russia. The two speakers were Leo McKay. So Leo is the head of ethics and compliance and enterprise assurance at Lockheed Martin. Uh, he is an excellent thinker on these issues. And Luke Dembowski, he is a partner at Debevoise and Plimpton. And uh, also our fellow podcast friend, Mike Volkov. Mike was the moderator of this discussion. But it was a really good curtain raiser about how the Russia invasion, certainly it challenged compliance and thinking around sanctions and whatnot. But then Leo and Luke really opened the, the lens to talk much more about how the skills that you might have in due diligence and anti-corruption compliance should be leveraged by the whole company for the bigger supply chain risk issues that are afoot here, thanks to Russia causing so much turmoil in the global economy. So I thought it was a really well worth it, uh, the hour's worth of uh, time there, but there was an awful lot of good stuff to be discussed. Matt, the uh, supply chain issues, I think, are primarily started with the first round of sanctions that was levied against Russia for their invasion of Ukraine and have continued. Uh, but it's really much more than your direct supplier's it is your second, third, and fourth level suppliers. And you were able to tie, as you indicated, what compliance professionals do around due diligence to some of the issues that you have to begin to consider. So could you start there with how you see the intersection of 
compliance and supply chain around this issue? Yeah. So Leo McKay brought up some really good points there that got me thinking. And then I spun up a whole blog post about this. But certainly the immediate compliance implications are pretty clear. Uh, you have third parties you do business with, and now we have these heightened sanctions issues. So you need to do really third party due diligence and screening against your immediate suppliers. Like I think most compliance professionals get that. But Leo was very much talking about how you need to consider the second order effects of all of these sanctions on your supply chain. Um, so you might need to cut ties with some third parties, or you might need to, because of that, maybe pay more for materials or components that you have to source from somewhere else. Um, those aren't necessarily the compliance officer's jobs. You know, that's a procurement function. That's maybe the CFO or financial planning department's job is to think about some of those second order effects. But they can't think about the second order effects until compliance has stepped in and done a really good job with those first order effects, which are, do we have sanctioned entities in our supply chain? So we need to screen all of our own third parties, but we also need to assure that our third parties are screening their own third parties and so forth and so on. Um, so the way that Leo had said it, I jotted down a quote that he made that I thought was really good. What have you learned in due diligence for anti-corruption that you can apply to control your supply chain? And the higher up you are in your supply chain, the harder that becomes. He said that, and I, certainly that's true. But that's the question that you need to think through. Um, if you compliance function, if you're going to start uh, squeezing the supply chain because you have to, because sanctions have expanded, because the enforcement risk has gone up, you know, it's nothing personal against compliance. But if you are going to start going over the supply chain with a fine tooth comb, how can you then work with the rest of the enterprise after that to think through sourcing from alternative places, the financial implications of this, um, and various other issues like that? So, Matt, let me pick up on a couple of points you raised there around a greater enterprise risk management uh, strategy. You talked about specifically with supply chain scenario planning and inventory control, and you noted the, those are typically not within the wheelhouse of the compliance professional. How does a compliance professional sit down with their supply chain professional and begin this scenario planning? Is it what if or how bad or something different? It's it's a bit of both, I think. Uh, I, you know, if we take what Leo McKay had said about leveraging anti-corruption compliance experience for supply chain risk management, if we take that from the start, then you can derive. I came up with five, I think, uh, capabilities that the company will need to have. Now, some of them are very much in the compliance wheelhouse, some not. But the five would be due diligence skills. That's still going to be the basis and foundation of all this. Screening capabilities, which will need to be sophisticated because the sanctions parties, you know, those lists, they're changing all the time now. They are often not originally in English. They're in Cyrillic. So how would you translate all those spellings? You know, sophisticated screening capabilities, contract management to assure that you have screening clauses and third party due diligence clauses to force upon your own third parties, under your fourth parties and so forth. But you can't push them to do that if it's not in the contract. 
um, scenario planning, like you had mentioned, Tom. So, okay, if this supplier is now knocked out, what does that mean for when we will run out of widgets or we'll need to pay four times as much from the other supplier, uh, other issues like that? And then, you know, as prosaic as it seems, uh, inventory control. You know, if we're going to run out of these widgets in 90 days, then do we want to slow down delivery so we can stretch out our widget supply for 120 days so we can find a backup supplier, things like that? How are we making sure that we're not running out of widgets in 60 days and we'd be run high and dry within two months? So ultimately, and reader listeners, you know, stop us if you heard this before, you're going to have to form a cross-disciplinary team to think through these issues. Uh, but Compliance would very much be part of that team. And I think the basis of it is still going to be due diligence to find out who your third parties are, screening capabilities. And then from there, um, compliance can do those and bring that expertise to this in-house committee to say, all right, this is what we're doing now, but this is all of the immediate effects, immediate effects we might cause you, the company. How do we get through all the secondary effects? And we are going to have to start thinking about scenario planning. And then procurement might say, oh, crap, we don't have the technology to do that. Well, procurement, you'd have to try and figure that out and get the technology, which does exist. Uh, or legal might say, oh, crap, we don't have the contract management capabilities for that. And so you'd have to think about how you get that done. Um, but when compliance sits down with the rest of the enterprise team to figure these all five capabilities out, I think then you'd very quickly start to see where you are or are not strong and where you might or might not need technology support or just better procedures for this, or awareness of it. So that's how it all kind of starts to fit together and how you do leverage the anti-corruption due diligence experience you've had to a much more third-party risk management uh, capability that you're going to need, where screening and due diligence are the first parts, then all the other consequences. The rest of the enterprise is going to have to catch those consequences. So compliance is to be part of the conversation as you're kicking that in down football uh, downfield. We're going to have a quick word from our sponsor, and we'll be right back with more Compliance Into the Weeds. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So, Matt, it strikes me I'm hearing kind of two overarching themes. So let me pitch these to you and see, one, if I heard you right, and two, if you, uh, uh, what you might think of them. The first one is compliance morphing or evolving more into a business process because it's not simply the due diligence, contracts, and managing. It's a much more broader remit. But that leads to my second observation, which is a much more comprehensive and much more holistic enterprise risk management process. And uh, you've articulated uh, that you would uh, either have a cross-functional team or combine some sort of the business capabilities of both. But could this lead this, this 
black swan event or this year's crisis or this quarter's crisis lead us to really further evolution of compliance, uh, but in the context of, I think you've been talking about risk for quite some time and companies finally saying, you know, guys, it's risk. Let's manage our overall risk portfolio by having everyone get together and look at it. Yeah, I I definitely think it's going in that direction. Um, You know, Tom, you said, does this mean compliance is going to become a, a true business process? I would almost say the compliance duties get subsumed or become part of a bigger risk management process. You are not going to manage your supply chain risks without addressing the compliance obligation tucked inside that umbrella. Um, And those obligations are going to be due diligence. They're going to be screening. They're going to be building some way to filter out the undesirable third parties and whatnot. But ultimately, this is still going to be about big risk management duties that we're going to need to develop. Um, If anybody listening is feeling a little queasy about what you and I are talking here about today, Tom, like I want to be clear. I don't think a lot of companies have really developed a very strong, mature approach to this yet. I think that we are somewhere between the infancy and the toddler stage of this. But nonetheless, this is where it's going to be going probably for the next decade or so, is this ability to identify risks in your extended enterprise, which are largely going to be in the supply chain, um, and then being able to detect them, understand their significance, and then respond to them somehow. Um, Sometimes they're really going to be very compliance driven. We have a supplier who is terrible at cybersecurity. We have an intermediary agent who is terrible at anti-corruption. We're going to kick them out. But sometimes they're not. Sometimes it's going to be much more Compliance starts it. We have a key supplier who's based in Russia and we're not going to use them anymore. That's easy to figure out that we have to screen them. But then the consequences of it are going to be very difficult. Well, crap, now we can't get our titanium for our next generation widgets because most titanium comes from Russia right now. So how are we going to manage that new threat? Where are we going to resource it? Where? How does that change our financial predictions or our deliveries to customers? Those aren't compliance functions to think through those second order effects, but compliance doing its job creates those second order effects, which need to be addressed. And the board is going to want to know from the management team, how are we addressing all of this? And that's why all of this starts to fit together into this bigger risk management process that we'll all need to develop sooner or later. Matt, let's take advantage of the live nature of this podcast recording by let me pitching to you a question that's come in from one of our listeners, Dr. Burkhardt Fassbach in Germany. Can AI help or uh, a broader tech solution? Any thoughts on that? I think it probably could help quite a bit. Um, It could certainly help, say, around uh, analysis for money laundering. If you're more in the financial services world, you still have all of these challenges, but you're worried about AML compliance as opposed to maybe economic sanctions, but you still, you have a lot of transactions to study and financial firms do use AI there. Or uh, if you wanted to take another capability that is, we mentioned, say contract management. Um, If you are using some sort of legacy system or desktop tools to manage contracts one at a time, A, that's inefficient, B, it's probably wrong, And C, even if you somehow manage to get through A and B, you don't have any easy way to then immediately collect all of the 
I don't know, certifications and attestations from those third parties that, oh, yeah, we are absolutely honoring the contract. Totally. Uh, even if they're telling the truth, which how many of them really are? We don't know. But if you don't have any easy way to collect evidence from all of those contracts and uh, you know which ones do have the terms you need, which ones don't, which vendors are living up to their terms, which ones are not, you know, contract management automation technology, that is absolutely a thing that can be done. It's out there. Some large companies already use it. So that would be another example of how could you automate some of these workflows that are very much going to be part of risk management. Matt, there were two words you used in your blog post that struck me that I'm not sure I've heard you use in this podcast, and they were scramble and pivot. And I wanted to use those to ask, uh, during the Trump administration, we saw economic sanctions sometimes literally change during the day. Yep. And it was a huge amount of in increase in economic sanctions and trade compliance professionals had to be very nimble and very quick. Uh, is this situation we're in now after the Russian invasion similar to that, building upon that or really an exponentially something different? Oh, I think this is uh, worse than that. I mean, it's the same basic dynamic, but uh, honestly, these days I have seen the sanctions lists against Russian nationals and Russian interests change multiple times through the day. They have been updated. Um, plus, we still have a day job managing economic sanctions against Iran, North Korea, Syria, and a bunch of other places, uh, and individuals uh, who may or may not be on terrorist watch lists and whatnot. So I definitely do think that this is that same dynamic of the use of sanctions, um, just accelerated or exponential or on steroids or whatever adjective and metaphor you want to use. But really, it's all about your ability to screen new requirements quickly. Um, and, you know, you, as much as the sanction list might change every day, so does your customer base, especially if you're in financial services. You know, that changes all the time, too. So there really is going to be a lot of pressure to be able to, like I said, pivot very quickly, um, not even just within the compliance function. Do we have the tools and capabilities to do all this due diligence and screening right away? But in the rest of the risk management function, do we also have the ability to scramble and pivot to address all the second order effects? We, uh, titanium is going to be my go-to example because I did not know until very recently a lot of titanium is sourced from Russia. And it is used uh, part particularly in jet av aviation um, jet airliners. And it can be very difficult for, say, a European firm or even Boeing to try and figure out on the fly, where are we going to source one third of our titanium now that we can't use it? So again, how would you pivot to resource some of the sources that you can no longer use? That's going to be very challenging. Now, that's not necessarily new. And to some extent, it wasn't even driven by Russia because we had a lot of supply chain glitches and inflation problems before Russia invaded Ukraine. But again, Russia invading Ukraine made all of this just much worse. Exponentially, logarithmically, I don't know what those terms even necessarily mean, but it's going to be worse. And you will need to build a responsivity to those changing conditions. Matt, before um, the invasion, if someone had asked me what I thought Perhaps the biggest risk to U.S. businesses would have been, I would have said cybersecurity. We haven't seen the unleashing of a total cyber attack on the U.S. yet, but this uh, webinar that you uh, attended 
also talked about cyber risk. What did you hear or see in the cyber risk discussion that you thought tied to compliance? Well, I, I heard a lot of similar sort of phrases about being able to anticipate second order effects, being able to assess your third parties and their third parties and so on. <clears throat> it's just instead of assessing the availability of physical goods, we're talking about assessing the availability of IT services and potentially mission critical services. And they have to be available in a secure way. Uh, it does you no good to have all of your mission-critical cloud-based apps available if their security is terrible. All you'll be able to do is process a lot of customer transactions that automatically make the privacy breach worse. That's all it would be if they're not going to be secure. Um, so what I thought of was really what can compliance do to help with things both before a cybersecurity event and after the cybersecurity event, because you will have to assume that the event, whatever it might be, is going to happen. So I even sketched out a, a little chart about left of boom and right of boom, and the boom is the cybersecurity event. What could compliance do to help with cybersecurity risk? You could certainly do things like monitor changing regulatory obligations around privacy or breach disclosure. You could help to set policies for how sensitive data is handled by your employees and by third parties. You could review training. Uh, you could respond to internal complaints on the hotline that something is amiss with one of your IT service providers. That's all before the, the mess. Then boom, the mess happens. And after that, well, you would probably be responsible for notifying regulators by the proscribed time of you know what that we've had a breach, um, assuring other appropriate disclosures in the SEC filings to investors, uh, maybe performing a root cause analysis if that is what compliance does, or if not you, then our friends at Internal Audit, um, you know, assuring that you can terminate problematic third-party service providers and whatnot. Those would be things that maybe compliance would do after the mishap, because IT security is probably still going to have its hands full trying to remediate the, the technical damage and improving controls or tracking down data, things like that. So Matt, there's uh, several other things that come to mind based upon what you heard at this webinar and what you wrote, but perhaps we could save those for another podcast. Um, this has been a great exploration of a truly watershed of our, uh, event and what it may mean going forward. So I look forward to continuing this conversation. Well, Tom, we owe a credit to the webinar speakers there, but yes, it was good, and we have a lot more we could discuss later. Thank you. This is Tom Fox again. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Compliance Into the Weeds. We've linked to Matt's blog post in the show notes, so I hope you will check that out for additional information. If you have listened to this podcast on iTunes, I would greatly appreciate it if you would leave a review, as it would help in our rankings to get out word about this most unique podcast in compliance. Compliance Into the Weeds post weekly at Wednesday at 6 a.m. on the Compliance Podcast Network. I hope you will plan to join Matt and I again next week where we take another deep dive into a compliance topic into the weeds.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.